Chapter Thirty One of Robin Hood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Robin Hood by Paul Creswick. Chapter Thirty One. It was hardly dawn when a strong guard of soldiers was drawn up without Nottingham Castle, and the prisoner was dragged forth from his cell. Monsieur had wisely came to the conclusion that Sir Guy of Gisborne had also failed, and he saw no reason to delay Little John's execution. Early as was the hour, yet both the sheriff and the bishop of Hereford were present. The space before the castle was thronged with people. Beside the prisoner walked the castle chaplain. The crowd swayed and roared, and a small disturbance broke out on the right of the sheriff. At once the soldiers hurried to quell it. As the prisoner neared the gallows, the crowd so bore upon the cart in which he stood upright that progress for a few minutes was out of all question. Another disturbance broke out in the rear of the procession. Next instant the prisoner was seen to have free hands. He stooped and sliced the cords about his feet, and releasing himself all at once he sprang out of the cart. Then was an uproar indeed. The soldiers had strict orders that the episode of Stuteley's escape was not to be repeated, but whilst they exerted themselves desperately, a sudden hail of arrows fell upon them from the sky, as it were. Robin Hood's horn was heard blowing merrily, and the sheriff saw the huge mob of people break up into billows of contending portions under his very eyes. "'Lock the gates of the city!' screamed Carfax at his juncture. "'We have them trapped at last!' Little John was free and seized an axe. Much and Middle had brought bags of meal with them, and both repeated the miller's old trick of flinging the white meal into the eyes of the enemy. Robin had broken up his band into small parties, and all were engaged simultaneously. In less time than it takes to tell, the space without the castle was turned into pandemonium. Again and again Robin's horn sounded, calling them together, and slowly but surely his small parties formed up into a whole beating, their way through the crowd with their swords and axes. Soon, as they were together, with Little John safely in the middle of them, they fell to their bows and sped a cloud of arrows amongst the sheriff's men. Then they turned to retreat, and fell back so suddenly that they had made good start ere Monsieur had divined their intent. They sped towards the north gate, that one being nearest to Barnsdale. Crafty Carfax had forestalled them, however, the north gate was closed hard and fast and the bridge drawn. The outlaws doubled on their track, and they charged at their pursuers with lowered pikes and waving axes. The crowd before them yields, yielded sudden, sullenly and allowed them passage. "'To the west gate, Robin, hasten!' cried a shrill voice. "'Tis more easily opened than the rest, and the bridge is down. Someone hath smashed the winch.' Robin's heart leaped into his body. "'Twas the voice of Gilbert of Bois. "'Marianne!' breathed he, overcome with the terror for her. Oh, my dearest! Follow, follow! she cried, with flashing eyes. There is not a moment to be lost. Robin saw that it was a matter of life or death now in any case. To the west gate, he called. Loxley, a Loxley! It was the old battle cry, and only a few of them remembered it. Yet it served and served well. The Greenwood men formed up into close ranks, and all followed the little page, shouting hastily, Loxley, a Loxley! In the rush and hurry, Robin saw that Scarlet was there, and Warrenton and Allen a Dale. And with the little page ran another, a fair-haired boy, 
with strangely familiar face. "'Tis Fennel,' whispered Alan, at Robin's side. "'She would not be left.' He spoke as they ran, with the enemy now in full pursuit of them. Every now and again the outlaws turned and sped a hail of arrows into the mob behind them. The west bridge was gained, and Scarlet had dispossessed the warder of his keys in a moment. He unlocked the gates and flung them wide open. The two boys, for so they seemed, raced through and over the broken bridge, and Alan followed next. The outlaws were soon free of the town, and once more in their own element, but little John must needs go back to cover the retreat with Stutley. Carfax and the sheriff were close at hand with their men, furious and determined. Even as the last of Robin's men gained and fell over the bridge, little John was wounded seriously by a shaft from Simon Carfax's blow. His cry brought Robin back to his side. In a moment, Robin's arms were about him. Lean him on my shoulder, dear heart, cried Robin, and sure it was a ludicrous sight to see this stripling seeking to hold up the great form of little John. They ran along in this way, and the outlaws formed a bodyguard about them. Alan and those in front had fired the drape frews of grasses, and the smoke began to roll heavily against the faces of the soldiers. This gave the Greenwood men a small advantage, and they gained the open country. But not for long did the honors of this day rest on one side or the other. The sheriff and his fellows broke through the fire, and then it was seen that some of them were mounted on fleet horses. Little John begged to be left behind, and again did Robin try to rally him. Onward they ran, and presently found themselves approaching a hill thickly wooded about the base. They gained cover of these trees, and turned at bay. Hidden behind tree trunks they sent forth a death volume of peacock shafts to the sheriff. Master Carfax was seen to fall, and with him six of the horsemen. The soldiers halted and prepared their crossbows. A volley of their arrows crashed and splintered the trees, whilst Carfax rose up stiffly to give fresh orders. A duello commenced of longbow against crossbow, and as the freebooters could deliver near a, a dozen shafts to each bolt, they more than held their own. When a bolt did strike, however, death was instant. A man was shot near to Marion, and fell with his head shattered and ghastly. She gave a little scream and put her hands over her eyes. Robin bade her to keep near him. Behind me, sweetheart, cried he feverishly. That not my hurt you save through me. So they fought for near an hour, and then the Greenwood men saw that reinforcements were coming to their enemies. Robin's horn gave once more the order for retreat. Slowly they fell back through the woods, and the, the rising ground. Alas, alas, cried Mistress, poor, poor Mistress Fennel, wringing her hands in utter forgetfulness that now she was dressed as a man. We are undone. Here, come others to meet us with pikes and many men. Robin saw that upon the hilltop there was a grey castle. From its open gate there poured a motley crew, a crowd of men, armed rudely with pikes and with staves. They rushed downward to intercept the outlaws as it seemed, and Robin thought that, in truth, he and his merry men were trapped at last. But, oh, joyful sight, foremost among those coming from the castle was the once mournful knight Sir Richard of the Lee. He was smiling now and very excited. A hood, a hood, he cried, to rescue, a hood. Never was there more welcome sight and hearing than this. Without a word the outlaws raced up to meet their timely friends and gain shelter of the castle, whilst Richard kept the sheriff and his fellows at bay. Then, when all were safely across the little drawbridge, the knight gave the word, and fell back upon his stronghold also. The bridge was drawn and the cates clashed together, 
almost in the frantic hideous face of master simon upon whose features showed streaks of blood from his wound and rage commingled the knight stationed his men about the walls soon appeared monsieur beneath them also and demanding speech he commanded the knight to deliver up robin and his men upon pain of assault and burning of the castle with fire sir richard replied briefly show me your war warrant sir Malapert, and i will consider it he said from within the gates and master monsieur had no warrant with him my word is enough for you richard of the lee roared he fur furiously am i not sheriff of nottingham you cannot be the sheriff of nottingham good man answered the knight getting ready to close the wicket for he is monsieur master monsieur and is busy escorting the princess of aragon towards york go to and mend your manners rascal and call away these ruffians with you then sir richard snapped the, to the wicked gate and returned to robin well met bold robin he cried taking him by both hands well met indeed i had intended to ride forth this very day to your home in the woods to pay you your monies with my thanks add thereto but you have happily saved me and mine the journey welcome to my castle recovered to me by your generosity sir richard presented his wife to robin and his son who had been but just returned from the holy land the knight told him how the last few months had been most prosperous with them instead of going so badly as he had feared and explained that now from one source and another he was rich as of yore so when we have feasted i will take you to my treasury and there count you out the mo thy money and its interest faithfully yet in ri riding myself of this debt i do not free of my from my life of the obligation you need say no more sir richard interposed robin tis we who owe all to you as for your debt why it hath been repaid me already by my lord of hereford is it not so stutley the little esquire protested solemnly that the bishop had paid it to them as conscious money then i will pay it again cried the knight cheerfully sooner than be outdone by a bishop in the matter of honesty and i have a few presents for you but these i will show you later robin thanked him gratefully and taking him on one side told how boys clothes were covering mistress marian and dame fennel at this instant would the knight's wife take charge of them and find them some apparel as would ease one of them at least from most uneasy feelings that evening whilst monsieur raged and stormed without they all sat to a great feast little john was already so much recovered of his wound as to sing them a song whilst robin made sweet accompaniment upon a harp the knight showed robin pleasantly his treasury and again implored him to take the four hundred gold pieces of gold if he would take no interest but his guest was firm keep the money for it is your own i have but made the bishop return to you that which he had first stolen from your hands sir richard again expressed his thanks and now led them to his armory therein robin saw placed apart a hundred strong bows with fine waxen silk strings and a hundred sheaves of arrows every shaft was an ell long and dressed with peacock fe feathers and notched with silver beside them were a hundred suits of red and white livery finely made and stitched these are the poor presents we have made for you robin said sir richard take them from us with ten thousand times their waiting gratitude one of the knight's own men came forward to give a sheaf of arrows into robin's hand and behold it was arthur abland chapter thirty one